What's up, everybody? It's Soren Baker here on Unique Access with Soren Baker. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Please rate our podcast as high as you can on your streaming platform of choice. And we appreciate your support in getting us this far and for you for tuning in to, to us today. Now, today we have the honor and privilege of being joined by MC8. Now, I've known 8 since the 90s, talked to him dozens of times over the years, interviewed him even more, and I always have a great time talking with him. And in this conversation, 8 and I talk about his DJ Premier collaborations, his Which Way is West LP, how he learned from his beef with DJ Quick, doing the song series of Death Wish and Duck Sick, as well as Kendrick Lamar and Compton's Gangster Rap Evolution. There's a lot of info on here. MCA's an amazing guy, and I'm really glad he's here on Unique Access with Soren Baker here with us today. So thanks for listening, and let's get to it. What's up, everybody? Soren Baker here on Unique Access. Today we're joined by MC8. Thanks for coming through, sir. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, man. So as always, you have a lot going on, and uh, recently you released the Run the Block record right. uh, with DJ Premier and Melee. So with that, uh, what made now the time to put that record out? Oh, man. I've just been, uh, me and Primo been, you know, I've been on Premiere for a long time now. So, you know, we was real good buddies, real good buddies with, with Guru. Right. Used to just hang all the time. He did a couple of remixes, you know, when I was back on Epic, whatever. Mm-hmm. So just with just, you know, looking at music, you know, now and whatever, he's been working a lot with different artists, whatever. So he called me up to do a remix for a Black Poet. Right. And uh, we did that remix, um, and from there, he was just like, you know, what you've been working on, what you've been doing, you know. I had uh, just did the Kendrick record, right. so uh, from there, you know, just doing a little couple of tours and whatever, and uh, I just did the Grand Theft Auto uh, soundtrack too. So things was moving. So he was just like, asked me, you know, what have you been doing? So I just started sending him tracks and. He got the word listening to him, listening to him. We got to doing stuff together. And then before you know it, we had over like 30 tracks. Mm-hmm. So he was like, well, let's try to put together a project. So that started like about three years ago. Right, and right. we just been working and working and working and working. And you know, we'll get new beats. And then somebody will call and be like, you know, we heard y'all was working together. <laughs> so let me get on the record. Let right, me get right. on the record. So before you know it, we had like, 10, 11 good solid guest appearances. We had like 17 good solid songs. So from there, we just started trying to put together the record. It's finished now. All the artwork, all the mixing, mastering, scratches, guest appearances. So we just decided to throw out Run the Block as a just a street teaser, you know, okay. to get ready for the actual release. We're about to shoot a couple of videos. So it, it, it's a decent, good West Coast project. You know, seeing what's going on with music nowadays, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to understand, but I'm just trying to feed some of those original West Coast MC8 fans from those, you know, good NWA, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg days, right. you know, not to saying that my peoples ain't doing still good music, you know, Snoop's still doing his thing, Dre, whatever, but, you know, I've been known to do, you know, underground, strictly 
for the street type of music. So mm -hmm. that's what we decided to do. Premier threw in his thing. He did, he's got like four cuts on the album. He's executive producing. The bulk of the record was produced by Brink Sinatra. Okay. Um, it, it's a tight record, you know. I never toot my horn, horn on records. It is what it is. I put it out there. Hopefully it's acceptable to the fans. This is a good project. And is it still Which Way Is West? It's still Which Way Is West. Okay. So, obviously, we've talked a, a few times over the last couple of years while you've been working mm -hmm. on it. And given your career, you've been able to put out so much material over the years since, uh, well, even before, it's a Compton thing. With yeah. The Compton compilation, different exactly. things. So, being that that's the case, why do you think this album in particular took a while to actually come to fruition? I think just just basically trying to just not go, hey, record label wants a record. It got to be turned <laughs> in by right. September 2nd. Right. So let's hurry up and get the beats together. And it's like, here's a track. You don't have anything else to choose from. Write to it. Get it out. I think now being more in control of my own self and being able to choose and decide like, mm, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't care who it's from. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's just me. Right. I wanted music that I knew that people would enjoy on my level of what I have been given people who spend money on my records. Right. So I would get five beats and I would go, no. You know, as opposed to going, here's your five tracks, give me five songs, Record got to be turned in. Okay. It gave me enough time to, you know, I'm going to do a song today. I'm going to kick back for the next three weeks. Listen to music, listen to music, listen to music. Ah, out of 100 songs, I found two that caught my ear. I'm going to put them down. Right. Now send me more tracks and more tracks. And that's basically what it's taken. Hmm. You know, and then with guest appearances, at first I had none. And then, hmm. you know, with word of mouth and going out and hanging with people and just getting that mutual MC8 respect. You know, you've been in the game so right. long. Oh, that's my man. And basically, I just started using my juice card. <laughs> my, Dub, I need a song. As you No should. problem, eight. Be real, I need a song. No problem, eight. So-and-so, I need a song. Right. No problem, eight. <laughs> so with doing that and then not rushing dudes because you know hey i need it by today i need it by next week hey right. when you can send it send it if it's three months later i look at my inbox oh dang i forgot about that he right. sent me a song play it oh yeah it's perfect send it to premiere he listened to it okay let me do this to it let me do this to it let me do this to it. and premiere is one of those He's one of those my era producers. Mm -hmm. You get it? Yeah. And if you come from my era, it's not like tick tock, tick tock, <laughs> beat finished. Right. He's one of those cats that go, hmm, let me tweak this. Let me tweak this. Let me take out that. Let me add that. You look up, it's six months later, and right. they're still in the studio fine tuning and tweaking. Right, right. That's just the type of dude he is, and I respect that. You know, mm -hmm. my my old producer DJ Slip. You know, he that's what he did. 
They are very articulate when it comes to their music and the sound that they're finna put out. I don't care who it's for. It could be for a dude who's paying me a million a track, or it could be for a dude I'm giving a track for free. Right. If it's gonna take me three months to get it right, you either gonna wait for it, <laughs> or you gonna be gone. <laughs> right. And then two years from later, you're gonna hear that track banging on somebody else's song and it done sold two million copies. Patience is a virtue in this business. Right. I've always learned that. That's yeah. why I'm still here. Well, I was going to say it's a testament, I think, to your staying power. But I also think, too, that, and I'd like for us to explain this a little bit more, because back in the day, in addition to your uh, Compton's Most Wanted and then MCA, you had all the stuff going on with NOTR and the production mm. deals and different things that I don't think... Uh, especially with that situation since it didn't really come out. I don't think people really understood a lot of the musical stuff that you did kind of on the side. Or... I had, I did a lot of stuff, you know, outside of just being MC8, you know. Right. Like you said, I had production deals. Uh, I produced, you know, uh, DFC from D, uh, Detroit. Yeah. Me and Slip uh, mixed and produced MC half of their record. Boys, yeah. Uh, NOTR, that was my group, Bam and Chill. Me and right. Slip produced they whole record. You know, I did work for Spice. I did, you know, production on my own records with Slip, with Half Ounce Productions. Right. As far as doing 10 movie soundtracks at the right. time, and uh, then doing movies, and then, you know, guest appearing in, in videos for Boss and Wu Tang, and mm -hmm. doing songs with Old Dirty, and going just it, it was it was a transition of a lot of stuff that i was doing but my first priority was just trying to be mc8 okay. so a lot of people didn't know about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that i was doing but i didn't care i didn't look for gratification for okay. getting production deals and getting dudes deals and producing for spice or mixing for dfc or whatever whatever i just did what i came to do and that was to write music and put records out okay um, and part of the reason why i'm asking you with this is leading up to working with the uh, premiere on this project because obviously way back in the days you guys were label mates with the chrysalis exactly connection and uh, i know from all of our other talks you guys had toured gangstar and mm -hmm. cm dub had toured together but <clears throat> working with Bam, Chill, Slip, Unknown, and all those guys, you knew them, grew up with them, spent a lot of time with them, whereas Premiere, not only are you uh, not have that relationship with Premiere, but then also being from Texas via New York mm -hmm. and all these different things, from a different uh, mentality, also different locations, how have you been able to find and what have you gotten from him that you didn't get you know, with everybody else that you had worked with? I think... <sighs> just the mutual respect of somebody who respected what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like, the beginning of my career, you know, we used to tour together, like you said, and then we just build a friendship to where I would go to New York, not even on business, and we would just hang, you know. Me and Premier have always been buddies like that. So I think just for the mutual respect of music, and then what he brought to the table for me was a sound outside of West Coast. Mm -hmm. Because being with Chill, Bam, Slip, Unknown, Mike T, whatever, mm -hmm. 
we were automatically labeled as these West Coast dudes, so everything was supposed to be West Coast for us. Right. And there shouldn't have been a broader transition. But then I could go to New York and do songs with Pete Rock. Right. You get me? I could go do I could go do beats with Premier. <laughs> I could go do songs with Old Dirty Bastard. Right. So I think it was me wanting to show people that I was more than just this Compton, you know, gangster MC, you know, khakis. And I wanted to show people for, like I could write songs regardless of who it was with, right. whether it was with DJ Slip Production or DJ Premier Pete Rock Production or, or Rick Rock's production on Old Dirty Bastard or whoever else, you know. I just wanted to show people that when you claim to be an MC, so to speak, that means you should have range of everything. And that meant that I can get out of my element just like with Cube. Everything was Dre, 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 N.W.A. at first, blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, he ran to New York and it was Hank Shockley and the Bomb Squad. Right. And the sound was just different. It right. was still L.A. raps. Right, right. But then he was able to go broader, nursery rhymes or You Can't right. Fade Me or stuff. Right. Stuff that was outside of Once Upon a Time in the projects. You know right, what I'm right. saying? So that's what, what I felt working with Premier brought to the table for me. It was able for people to go, oh, aching brat. You know what I'm saying? Outside of going low rider, hood rat, or drug deals <laughs> and police, you know what I'm saying? I could do songs like Shimmy Shimmy Remix or right, right. One Life to Live, where it's not focused on, man, the homie got killed last night. Right here, we talking about just having fun with music and right. celebrating music and being good. So that's why I've always been able to go. And then people give me the respect to that. Go, man, you work with East Coast cats like right. it ain't nothing. And my thing was, yeah, I'm a West Coast artist, but I'm an artist, period. So I don't right. want people to get that tripped up by going, you from the West Coast, you from Compton, everything is Compton, blue rags, red rags, crip blood, you know, hustling, whatever. No. I chose rapping as the profession, mm -hmm. so I should be able to show people that even though I come from here, right. if Premier say, man, I need you to get down with Christine Aguilera, or I need you to do a song for EA because I'm doing a vi I have to be able to do that. One of the reasons before even getting to meet you and know you, one of the things that I always liked about Compton's Most Wanted material was that it was very soulful and it had a, like a blues element exactly. and a soul element and even a jazz element that I think a lot of other music, especially rap of course, didn't really have. Our element was, was Parliament. Our element was George Clinton. You know, that's what a lot of West Coast dudes grew up on. My family transitioned from down south, you know, Mississippi, all that. So when they came here, it was Millie Jackson, Bobby Blue Bland, Tyrone Davis. You know, it wasn't the typical, the OJs, Isley right. brother. It was, it was different. It was, so when I would go to my auntie's house, I would hear records like Millie Jackson or Bobby Blue Bland, or you know those those real chicken shack records I call them <laughs> right. you know the meters right, right. And, and, and Slip the would turn me yeah. on to stuff like that yeah. and then we, I would listen to people like Ronnie Jordan and jazz right. music so when it came to our production and our music it was always about let's be outside the norm right. let's not do a record off a of funky worm 
Let's not do a record off of more bounce. Right. Let's do a record off the meters, duck sick. Let's do a record <laughs> off of, you know, drive by Miss Daisy. You know, I always wanted different different sounds because I felt as musical art, that's what we were, we were artists. Right, Let's right. get out of We Compton gangbangers. Everybody know that. Right. I mean, everybody see that every day since we was growing up. Right. Now that we got these contracts and we're videos and let's show people that we really are musical. That's right. it. And that was my thing. Yeah, because even kind of to that point, I remember after It's a Compton thing and straight checking them on the album side of things, I always remember, man, when I first put in music to drive by and, and the intro to that, mm -hmm. I was just like, the figure Yo. eight. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what is this? I was like, did they put the wrong uh, album on? You, you had, you had to, <laughs> you had to be like, like I said, I was a kid. I used to watch Schoolhouse Rock on Saturdays, and I remember the little girl would come out and she would be skating and. The figure eight song would come on. And right. That's what you think of when you're an artist. Mm. When you're just one-sided, you would never think about to do no shit like that. But right. I'm thinking on the fact of, let me see how many people grew up in my era and remembered something shit like that. Right. It's like clever shit that I would think of that wow. wouldn't come from a typical... Hey man, just put some gunshots on the beginning of my shit and some police sirens and let's get to going. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. I'm gonna twist them up and I'm gonna and hey, people thinking like, what the hell is that? Well, and you were thinking, you were thinking, you were thinking, you would go, oh man, I remember that. That's right. that schoolhouse rock figure eight. And as a kid, that, that's what I wanted people to symbolize with. Right. Not for the fact of what it was, but the era of where you come mm -hmm. from. That's what I was trying to symbolize with. So just trying to be something clever. Thought I had a brain and was smart, you know. <laughs> but I also think too that it fit in kind of perfectly because the way that you changed the, the bottom of it was mm -hmm. having the kind of menacing, sinister element to it leading in. And we load right into yeah. right into eight is enough or the knock, <laughs> knock, knock and yeah. just and then the whole record blow up and it you, yeah. it was it's it's just something different. But like I said, when you are a musical artist or whenever you call yourself creative, you have to be able to create what you envision and get outside the box of what regular or normal, you know, the normal even pattern on, is. Uh, straight on straight checking them with the I don't dance, even when you put on the vanilla ice on there, exactly. I was like, what? <laughs> you, we, I, me, and, I was like, what? me and Slip would just think of stuff. And most of the time, it was stuff that would just sit up and amuse us. Okay. Like we would sit up and be like, man, that would be funny as hell to do that. And then we would just be thinking like, well, it's got to be 10 or 100 people who would laugh just like we would, like right, we right. doing. So why not put it on there? Right. So you have to be able to take chances and you have to be able to be creative when it come to hip hop, because that's what it is. Like I keep telling people, I come from Compton, I gang bang, I did all that. Right. But when I got this gift to become this musical artist, I wanted to be that. Right. I didn't want to be one sided. Like. I'm gonna put violins in my music and I'm gonna put horns in them and I'm gonna do piano riffs and I'm just gonna be that. I'm not just gonna be the typical boom, clap, boom, clap, boom, clap, you right. know. And then um, one of the other things, because I know you're obviously like me, a big fan of EPMD, they had the Jane series of songs mm. on their albums and you had the Death Wish, obviously. Right. So for you, why have, why create a series and why have a series that lasted so long? Uh, I, I, I took it off of EPMD with oh, the did? Jane with series. Jane? Okay. And to me, 
it it kept a certain curiosity every record. Okay. People would want to see, like I did it with the Duck Sick. We did the Duck Sick, then we did Duck Sick 2. Right. I did Death Wish, Death Wish 2, Death Wish 3. So yeah, it, yeah. it was just, and I was a Charles Bronson fan too. Very so, nice. you know, I was <laughs> Death Wish 1, Death Wish 2. And it to me, it was like, you know, me and Quick had our thing, whatever. It was just something to keep the fans going right. on that one particular thing. Because you maybe pick up new, you maybe pick up new fans every year. Old fans don't like the new record. You know, the new record, whatever. <laughs> right. But keeping that series going always allowed those set fans to always be able to gravitate. No, yeah. You know, so. I was I, one of them. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it played its part. You know, people looked forward to the Death Wish records. So that's why I kept them going, you know. Okay. And then you mentioned Quick, obviously, that plays into these uh, series of songs. Looking back, what do you think that you learned from you know having your beef and having your problem with quick over the years? Basically, I think I've learned that, you know, sometimes beef is good in, in hip hop, whatever people wanna say, whatever. Sales records, you know, like boxing matches, dudes get in each other's face and talk about <laughs> they gonna kick each other's asses, whatever. The difference between our element is because we came from a spot where dudes took gangbanging seriously. Right. So for me to be saying I was Crip and him to be saying he was a blood, even though we were using our music as our outlets, mm -hmm. it was still people around us who still took it serious to where it's not about records. Right. It's about neighborhood beef, fuck them, fuck them. So I think that over the course of the years of it happening and seeing what has happened with beef, it has taught me basically just how to be grown with people. You know what I'm saying? It's taught me how to be grown because I got kids and I got a son now that I wouldn't want him that. Like I tell my son, you should be able to go anywhere you want to. You right. should be able to do anything you want to, go to any spot you want to, without having to have the the the, the anxiety of looking over your shoulder because somebody might dislike you. Right. And I didn't come into rap music to have motherfuckers not like me right. because of my past of street beef. Now back then I was a young cat. Mm -hmm. I tried to respect the neighborhood more than my music. Hmm. So. My beefing was more about respecting my neighborhood with Quick. Right. It wasn't even about his diss records or my diss records. It was about what the niggas in the neighborhoods was gonna expect from me because I was from there. Right, right. So that's why I continued it. And with, with the killings and people getting shot and all that, it just made me go, I'm beefing with a nigga really with, you know, I really don't know. Of outside of, <laughs> right. he was a blood, I was a crip, I rapped my rap, he rapped his, and then we got dudes who don't like it because, right. nigga, you a crip and he a blood. We right. from Compton and we don't get down like that. So I just learned that, you know, my, my musical beef didn't have nothing to personally do with a nigga in a street beef. 
So we might as well try to work that out and try to solve that situation before somebody be at another funeral over right. somebody else's beef. Because it ain't really even going to be me and you. It's going to be one of those. Right. So, and then who wants to get blamed for that? One of the great things is Compton has stayed having so many great artists coming exactly. out. Exactly. And Problem, obviously, is one of them. But I also think it's great to see the uh, respect that, in using this example with Quick with uh, Problem, but also that you have been able to constantly work with a lot of the newer artists. Yeah. So for you, you know, what have you picked up from them, whether it is being with Problem or whatever, but picking up from the newer artists that you weren't seeing when you were coming up yourself? Um, the work ethic, you know, dudes like Kendrick, like Problem, you know, all the young cats that I have worked with as far as on a new era, they work ethic is 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 real about, because problem is about business. He's everything. Okay. You know, from bad luck to problem to, to like, to Kendrick. Mm -hmm. I think their worth ethic and, and what they want to do as far as their identity as artists, mm -hmm. they're not, they're not, how can I say, they're not threatened or they're not pushed by being the norm. Okay. You see what I'm saying? When I was coming up, it was about representing a certain thing within Compton, within the West Coast. You can represent the way you feel. You know what I'm saying? Problem don't put on khaki suits and wear red rags and red converse and stuff like that, nor does Kendrick. Right. They still get their point across <laughs> with music. They're able to work with from dudes from from quick to me to whoever, because right. that's their work ethic of just trying to bring forth Compton and keep the music going in the trend, the trend, the, the tradition. So from what I see, because back then, you know, it was just one way, you know, we did it one way. You was a West Coast artist, you talked about the West Coast, the gangs, the whatever, whatever. And the artists nowadays, they're just so 360 than that. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> right. not about, you know, Kendrick, you'll see him in an interview with 100 Bloods behind him, and then he's wearing the simplest, you know. It's what you could be now that you don't have to follow the old school, the right, old right. school code. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I like about them nowadays, and they're able to be who they want to be. You know what I'm saying? Back then, if I wanted to wear some green shoes and some jogging pants and a different jacket, people be calling me gay or weird or <laughs> right. what is you on? And then I'm talking about I'm from the hood and whatever, whatever. Right. It wouldn't have sold. It mm. wouldn't have went over. But now you can be who you are and not have to conform to where your khaki suit at, where your low rider at. And where, wh what do you think led to that change? Uh, just the times. Just the evolution in Just general. the evolution of, of, of youngsters, of, of you know, the, the new generation of hip-hop and what's accepted and what's not accepted and, and just being tired of, of the old way. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. The old way for us was gang-banging, killing police and all that. And when, when you got the youngsters coming up now and it's just about, you know, you hear the music. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's it's different of the way we grew up. Right. You know, so appreciate you coming through, eh? That was for great sure, interview. all day. Good yeah. looking. Unique access. I'm Soren Baker, MC8 in the building. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Unique Access with Soren Baker. I appreciate your guys' support. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and however you guys checked out this episode of Unique Access with Soren Baker. Also, if you haven't already, please pick up the copies of my two most recent books, The History of Gangster Rap and The Gucci Man Guide to Greatness with Gucci Man. You can find both of those books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at the independent bookstore near you. And of course, you could also check them out at your library. And if any of those places don't have them, please request them. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening to Unique Access with Soren Baker, however you listen to us. And please subscribe so we get into your feed. Hit us with that like and hit us with the five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever's the highest they got on this platform. But we appreciate your guys' support and look forward to you checking us out on the next episode. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.